All right, welcome to the show this morning. We're actually live in the studio, and I don't know if this is a good practice of loving your neighbor as yourself. I'm not really sure if the radio station really knows what they're doing by having us in here with, you know, there's line. a lot on the line here, yes, you know? Yes, yes, uh, The amount of editing that normally goes in is, is actually more our, than what you our, would think. Our blooper yeah. reel is like about as tall as I am. And I'm we really would like hurt. it to be even longer. Yeah. 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 I'm really hurt. You didn't say anything about my sweatshirt this morning. Jonathan did. Yeah. yeah well, World's tallest elf. <laughs> I was questioning whether it was true. <laughs> you, would I lie? <laughs> Come on. Well, it is Christmas time. It's the time when we remember the first advent of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That means his first coming into the world. And um, for those of you um, who are regular church attenders, which we hope that's all of you, hopefully you guys are singing Christmas uh, songs at this time with your church. And we've just been going through um, the different Christmas carols that we sing every year and kind of unpacking and trying to understand the theology behind each one. So today we are on Silent Night. One of you brothers want to read that? Silent night, yeah. holy night, all is calm, all is bright, round yon virgin, mother and child, holy infant, tender and mild, sleep in heavenly peace, sleep in heavenly peace, silent night, holy night, son of God, love's pure light, radiant beams from thy holy face, with the dawn of redeeming grace, Jesus, Lord, at thy birth, Jesus, Lord, at thy birth. Silent night, holy night, shepherds quake at the sight, glory stream from heaven above, heavenly hosts sing hallelujah. Christ the Savior is born, Christ the Savior is born. Now, this is one of those songs that have been, uh, it's probably, it's worldwide, known more worldwide. I think I read that it had been translated in 300 different languages. That's so any, every language from A to Z and uh, was written in, I believe, 1816, but sung for the first time in 1818 and um, written by a, a priest set to music by uh, one of his friends and uh, first sung in a, a midnight mass on a Christmas Eve. Mm. It is a great song. I, this is one of those that we always do sing on Christmas Eve in our Christmas Eve service. So mm-hmm. it is a, an annual song, at least for us in that in that service. Yeah. So let's just uh, go through it. Um, what makes the day in which Christ was born a holy night? Well, we missed the part where we said silent night, and I don't think there's anything in the biblical story that would suggest well, it was silent. Well, I mean, yeah, from, I mean, I mean, <laughs> birth, not. Yeah, births are not silent, you know. And uh, in fact, there's quite a bit in that story of uh, the announcement by the angels that wouldn't have been silent, but. Particularly a holy night, though, is is really where the theme is centered. Well, we'll chalk that first one up to poetic license, right? Right, absolutely. <laughs> so is, that, is this appropriate to say that this was a holy night when Christ was born? I think if we, we think, think about the idea of what does the word holy means, that something is set apart from the ordinary. Um, mm-hmm. And so what we have throughout the Old Testament is that with the appearing of God and the and, or Christ, we either call those theophanies, the appearing of God, or Christophanies, the appearing of Christ, the pre-incarnate Christ, um, those moments then were were marked as holy because God had appeared. Mm-hmm. And so when you talk about Jesus Christ um, being born, uh, the title that he was given or one of the prophecies is that he would be Emmanuel, God with us. And so in that sense, um, it was an ordinary birth 
but a holy moment in the fact that God now has chosen to dwell among among us as humans. Yeah. And, I would uh, go back again to that silent night and holy night and just simply say, um, you know, in, in Habakkuk 2.20, not a book that we find very easily in that Old Testament, but uh, in Habakkuk 2.20, it says, the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. And so there is a sense in which in the majesty of that birth, in that moment of recognizing the the holiness of 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 God and the Son of God, it is appropriate that awe and silence would actually fit in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, one of the things you said, Russ, was you know or, ordinary birth in one sense, absolutely. And we we've talked about this. Um, one of the reasons why this is the most set apart birth ever is because of the super super extraordinary part of it, which is the fact that this was uh, the Son of God that was born into the world. The Holy Spirit overs- overshadowed Mary, and um, the virgin conception took place. And then, so this this person that was never um, even conceived of by the angels or or by humanity came into the world, um, true God of true God and true man of true man. Um, I'm going to skip down. Pastor Russ graciously provided us with some thoughts for this morning. Um, why is this birth in this uh, lyrics called uh, the dawn of redeeming grace? Well, dawn means start in this instance. And so it's referencing the start of the new covenant ushered in by Christ. Uh, it, this is what Christmas is all about. Uh, it's what the nativity is about. It's the advent of Christ. It's the dawn of redeeming grace, redemption, which is promised through the centuries of the Old Testament, now going all the way back, all the way back to Genesis 3.15, where we have that first promise. And now um, it's come to not the culmination of, of things, not the end of things, but the dawn of the, uh, the fact that here is the promise finding fulfillment in Jesus Christ. There's a sense where the Old Testament, um, and you don't want to get too carried away in any of these things, but there's a sense in which the Old Testament is kind of the dark, uh, the the night, um, but there's promises in the night. Um, there isn't a lack of complete light, um, but the light is less than what you'd find in, in the New Testament. And the sense is that the New Testament era with the birth of Jesus Christ is a dawn um, is the sunrise coming that is going to illuminate all that the Old Testament had promised and and had alluded to and had um, set before the Old Testament saints. And with the birth of Jesus Christ, that light comes. I mean, that's actually how John begins his gospel, that um, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Yeah, yeah. And so I think in that sense, it is a dawn of yeah. what had all been promised, but had not come about. When well, C.S. Lewis uh, picked up on this theme, I thought really well in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, when you know uh, Lucy first comes into to Narnia and the fawn starts telling her about what this this new place is. And he, he says, well, ever since the White Witch you know, put a, a spell on the land, it's always winter and never Christmas. And so before Jesus came into the world, I think it is appropriate to say that it, that it was darkness. I mean, mm-hmm. yes, God had revealed himself to the 
Israelites and that there was a word that had gone to them, but all of the nations were, um, I mean, that's one of the fundamental things that happened at, at the incarnation, that the strong man was, was bound, Satan was bound, and um, now he could no longer deceive the nations. And so the gospel, and we, we're gonna see this as we move forward into Pentecost and stuff, the gospel has now gone out into the whole world. Prior to Jesus coming into the world, it was not like that. Mm -hmm. The gospel essentially was located in Israel. Mm -hmm. uh, You were talking about, uh, you know, the promises of the Old Testament. And one of the things that, uh, one of the phrases that people often repeat is that the Old Testament has the New Testament concealed in it. There's, it's there. In fact, we can find it there. And then the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. Uh, We have that full, the fuller light that we have in the New Testament regarding those promises. Yeah. What's the significance here of this message being told to the shepherds? I would I would simply say this is this just fits into God's ways. God's ways are not our ways, nor are His thoughts our thoughts. You know, here um, when we think of the shepherds, they were the uh, the least of society. Then they didn't even have the um, capacity to testify in court because they were uh, not considered um, worthy. Uh, honorable, and yet God is, reveals himself to them. You, this is that um, fact that we read in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing the things that are, so that ho- no human being might boast in the presence of God. And it also kind of fits into uh, if you were making a story up, why would you make it up with these men? Yeah. You know, this is this is just showing the you know the reality of the word of God to us. Yeah, and I th- think it also just is a testimony to <clears throat> the place where Jesus Christ was born. Mm-hmm. He's born in a remote, um, lowly area. Um, there was nothing significant about Bethlehem um, in the fact of. Its wealth, its um, influence, its stature, it it would have been a very inconsequential town, insignificant in almost every dimension. And its population was probably primarily made up of people like shepherds. Um, and so in some ways, it's it's exactly what Jonathan was saying. And in other ways, it's a testimony to that's the type of family, if you will, Jesus was born into is mm-hmm. is a low tier, um, mm-hmm. probably lower middle class yeah. at best. Well, when you're talking about this area here, you you think back to Jeremiah and the prophecy in Jeremiah in chapter 33, where it says in verse 12, thus says the Lord of hosts, in this place that is waste without man or beast in all of its cities, there shall again be habitations of shepherds resting their flocks. In the cities of the hill country, in the cities of the Shephelah, in the cities of the Negev, in the land of Benjamin, this is where um, Bethlehem is. In, in the places about Jerusalem, in the cities of Judah, flocks shall again pass under the hands of the one who counts them, says the Lord. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really a promise for that same, those same kind of people. Yeah. And if you remember the message that the angel said, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And Josh mentioned this before, that basically the Old Testament, um, the message was um, more or less 
constricted to the nation of Israel. And then with the dawning of the, the, the New Testament and the birth of Jesus Christ and Pentecost, it goes into all the world. Um, it would feel actually rather insincere for the angels to say to the wealthy of society, oh, and by the way, this message is for all people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, That doesn't feel overly genuine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You say that to the shepherds, then it feels genuine. Then you Mm -hmm. realize, oh, if it's for them, then it really is for for all people, like Jonathan quoted from Corinthians earlier. Well, Jesus being born, being announced to the shepherds, being born in, in a very poor family in an insignificant town, one of the other things that it does is it cuts at human pride, mm-hmm. um, because what we expect is that that the Savior or or whoever should come in great pomp, and and that's just it. It, um, it shows us the state that we are actually in. In fact, um, Martin Lloyd Jones, one of our, our our favorite authors and speakers, gone home to be with the Lord. He has said that Jesus Christ coming into the world is one of the greatest evidences of our own condemnation. Um, because Jesus had to come into the world demonstrates the guilt that all of the human race was under. It's interesting the the message that the angels bring to the shepherds, the shepherds, once they hear it, immediately go to see what they've been told. And then when they leave, um, we're told, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. And the shepherds leave um, praising God for all they heard and had been seen as it had been told them. I mean, what you find in the, in the, in this first moment is that you have all of this proclaiming going on, proclaiming of the angels to the shepherd, the shepherds proclaiming to other people that they meet that the, that the sense is that this is good news. And, and why would you ever keep good news to yourself? Mm, yeah. And I think we have in the shepherds, a, a true embracing of the gospel message that says, I've heard it. I want to share it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I would say that that's one of the things that as we enter this Christmas season, we should embrace this idea of if you know the good news of the gospel, why aren't you telling people? Yeah. And what is the good news? That God sent his son into the world to save sinners, that Jesus lived a perfect life of righteousness that we could not live. And he died on a cross, uh, paying the penalty for our sin. And he was buried and he was raised from the dead three days later. And um, that's why Jesus came. Jesus came to be born in order to die. So we hope that you have um, enjoyed the program this morning. We're going to continue to talk about uh, the Christmas carols over the next few days. We hope that you are um, plugged into a local church, that you're worshiping with a body and celebrating the Lord's birth um, in this season. We'll see you next time.